I'm reading from Paul's letter to the Colossians, chapter 4, starting at verse 2. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I'm in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Shall we pray? Father, we've already prayed, been praying, uh, and uh, we want our prayers, as Libby said, to join in with your prayers as you intercede for us. And Father, we want our lives to, uh, to show who you are. And Lord, we can only do that is, uh, to the extent to which we open our lives up to you. Uh, Lord, may your word again uh, be that light that shines on our lives and shines through our lives as we open our lives up to you. And allow you to do that in Jesus' name. Amen. Just turn my uh, microphone on. Here we go. I'm going to describe uh, uh, some different Christians to you. I want you to to guess who you think is a Christian uh, from my description. I'm going to start with uh, somebody uh, who is a taxi driver. And uh, when uh, this, uh, this, this person uh, is uh, taking passengers in his taxi, uh, they'll get in, you know, if it's a man, they'll say, hello, sir, if it's a lady, hello, madam. And they say, where are you going today, sir? Or where are you going today, madam? And you say, I'm going to go to, I don't know, we're going to go to Litchfield or Wolverhampton or I don't know. And, uh, and then he says, well, talking about destinations, sir, or talking about destinations, madam, do you know where your eternal destination is? Do you know where you're going for all eternity? Do you know, do you know if you're going to heaven, my friend? Uh, he's the kind of person that when you go to, if you take him to a restaurant, you're invited to a restaurant and, uh, you know, you're having a meal and then there's a, a plate that, you know, sometimes plates get broken, maybe in the kitchen or just as they're serving and a, and a plate gets broken. And then he says, oh, talking about broken plates I know somebody who can repair not just broken plates, but broken lives. I wonder if you know that man too. And not only that, he then gets out his mobile phone and he he gets his uh, video that he's found on YouTube and the video talks about Jesus mending lives. And, uh, you know, he's the kind of person that, you know, he just talks about Jesus all over the place. Do you think he's a Christian? One hopes so, yes. One, yeah, one hopes so. Uh, yes, he is, because he's talking about Christ in all sorts of contexts. The shops, uh, taking people in his taxi, uh, talking about Jesus in restaurants, uh, wherever he is. Yes, he's a Christian. He's talking about Jesus, and he is a believer. Would you put yourself in that category to be like him? Some of you are, maybe. I'm getting to know you. Uh, 
probably some of you are. Probably most of us aren't, let's be honest. Not all of us are like that, you know, out and out evangelists. You know, wherever you go, you're, you're talking about Jesus. I know somebody like that. I used to work with them, and, that, and he, he used to talk about Jesus all over the place. So no matter who he's talking to, you know, he'd say, do you know Jesus? Do you know him? Is he your savior? Is he your friend? You know, he'd just talk about Jesus all over the place. Now, most of us are not like that. Most of us aren't. And, uh, and Paul talks about this in Ephesians chapter 4, a different, a different passage to the one we just looked at. We will look at it in a minute. But Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, you can look it up if you want to. Jesus talks about the gifted evangelists. He says, It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers, so that the body of Christ may be built up. Now, that's a relief, isn't it? Some to be. We're not all evangelists. We're not all teachers. We're not all pastors. We're not all encouragers. We're not all uh, pastoral workers. Some to be. And so that's a, a kind of relief, isn't it? We're not all called to be people who go up to someone and say, do you know Jesus? Is he your savior? Is he your Lord? However, it doesn't let you off the hook. I'm not going to let you off the hook that easily. No, it doesn't. Some people are called to evangelists in that way. They are called to go out onto, into the margins, into the neighborhoods, into the schools, into universities, into all over the place, and to talk about Jesus. Some are called to be those sorts of people. The rest of us, however, are evangelistic believers. You know, if you're an evangelistic believer, that means you believe in the gospel. Like Libby was saying, do you believe it? Do you believe it? And, and the New Testament talks about Christians, believers, who are called to live their life distinctively. Called to live out their life with a, you know, a purpose, with a meaning. Because Jesus has saved us. And so this is a verse which we will look at next week. Uh, but 1 Peter 3.15 says this. You'll know the verses, I'm sure. But in your hearts, says Peter, in your hearts, set apart, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. So those out and out evangelists, they go out into the streets, they go out into schools, they go out into universities, they go out into workplaces, and they say to people, do you know Jesus? Have you given him your life? And they will say that directly to people. The rest of us are not quite in that category. We're not, we don't have that gift, and that's, that's fine. That's okay. God doesn't want us to be who we're not called to be and who we're not made to be. But, Peter says, always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have. Now, it may be, it may be that you are prepared, but it may be that you've never had the opportunity. You know, you've got the answer ready, but you've never actually been in the situation where somebody says to you, why do you live like that? Why do you believe what you believe? And so this is where we get to something called Questionable Lives, and it's based on this book uh, by a man called Michael Frost. And he's written a book called Surprise the World. Now, let me just explain uh, questionable lives to you, what that means. Now, when we hear the word questionable, we normally think of, well, that's a bit dubious, a bit, mm, you know, not quite right, doesn't sound right, a bit dodgy. 
doesn't mean that. He, he means it in the sense of questionable, as in raising questions, bringing out questions in our lives, evoking, provoking questions from others about our lives, so that we are ready, when we're in that situation, ready to give gracious answers about the one who saves us. Now, the passage we're just going to um, focus on today is in Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 to 6. And uh, in this passage, Paul is describing those two different sets of believers. Um, If you've got it open before you, great. If you haven't got it open before you, please do have it open before you. Let's look at it together. Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 to 6. I haven't got the page number of your Bible written in my notes. So if you've got a page number, please just shout it out and we can... 1184. Thanks, Andrew. Page 1184. Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 to 6. And we'll notice that, that, that Paul is, is talking about the, the few who are gifted evangelists and also to the majority who are believers, but evangelistic believers, those who believe it evangelistically in an outreach sense. And so we'll reread it, that, that, that passage again. Colossians chapter 4, verse 2 to 6. Paul says, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too. Now, then he turns his attention to the specific gifted evangelist. And pray for us too, he says, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. And then he says, Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Now, I think, actually, then at that point, he shifts his attention. He's talking now to those who are the majority. Most of us, he says. Be wise in the way you, most most Christians, act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. So you see, he's talking to the specific, to that small group. That's him and his fellow band of evangelists who are traveling around the Roman Empire, proclaiming the gospel very openly, very clearly. But he also then talks about most of us, to most of us, directly. He says, make the most of every opportunity. That's one version of the Bible. Another version, the message version, puts it like this. It's just a different version. And the message says it in this way. Pray diligently. Stay alert with your eyes wide open in gratitude. Don't forget to pray for us. That's the gifted evangelist. That God will open doors for telling the mystery of Christ even while I'm locked up in this jail. Pray that every time I open my mouth, I'll be able to make Christ plain as day to them. Use your heads. Everybody else, use your heads as you live and work amongst outsiders. Don't miss a trick. Make the most of every opportunity. Be gracious in your speech. The goal is to bring out the best in others in a conversation, not to put them down, not to cut them out. So do you get, do you understand? He's talking to two groups of people. He's talking about those who are the bold evangelists, those who go out into the streets, go out into the universities, go out into the offices, go out wherever into the towns, 
And he says, pray for us. Pray for us so that doors may open, so that there will be opportunities for us to proclaim the gospel clearly, boldly to those people at that time in those places. And then he says, pray also for yourselves that you may have opportunities to share. Be watchful. Be wise in the way you interact and socialize with those who aren't yet believers. The outsiders, Paul calls them. Be intentional, he's saying. Make the most of every, every opportunity. Living what we might call a questionable life. In other words, evoking curiosity about Christianity, about Jesus. So that when you have the opportunity, you are ready to share why you believe what you do. And I think the key verse, the hinge verse, is verse 5. Be wise. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. The message puts it like this. Use your heads. Use your head. Use your mind as you live and work amongst the outsiders. Don't miss a trick. So Paul says, be intentional. Be deliberate about how you live your life. Cultivate habits. Cultivate practices. Or... There will be little or no opportunities to share your faith because your life doesn't merit people asking you why you live the way you do. But it's got to go deeper than being a nice person. It's got to go deeper than being a nice neighbor. It's got to. Let me describe two other people to you, and I want you to decide if you think they're, which one of them is a Christian. Uh, now, the first one, the taxi driver, was a figment of my imagination. I made them up. Didn't know them. No, imaginative person. These next two people are real. Real people. The first man uh, lives nearby me. Uh, he's got children about the same age as me. Uh, I bump into him around the village. I bumped in, into him in the school run. Uh, he's always very friendly. He says hello to me. He says, how are you doing? How are things going for you? Uh, we have a conversation about that. Uh, he's an upstanding member of the community. He sits on the school governing body. Uh, well-respected member of the community. That's the first person. The second person I know uh, works in a prison. She's a, a, a prison chaplain, a lay chaplain. Uh, she sits with prisoners who are going through very difficult times, listens to them, prays for them, counsels them. And, and it's a not, a diff, not an easy place to be a, a Christian in a prison. And so she just listens to them and hears their story. Which of those two do you think is a Christian? The second one. Now, I, I probably made it a bit, bit easy for you because I said she prays for people, that she's a chaplain. Yes, you're right. That person is a Christian. The first the one, uh, the, the, the man I was describing, well, probably an agnostic. But sometimes it's difficult to, you know, work out who's a Christian and who's not. Uh, sometimes it's difficult because, you know, if we live our lives as, you know, nice, you know, good citizens, it's, it's not necessarily a mark of being a Christian. If it's about being nice, well, it's difficult. To, to, it's a struggle, isn't it? But the Bible paints a different story. The Bible paints a story of ordinary, everyday people, people like you, and me who are sent out to announce the rule and the reign of Jesus. 
without being something we're not and without being something less than we should be. And with something we're not, when we try and be like that evangelist who is going out and talking about Jesus all over the place, if that's not you, people will know it straight away. But we're also something less than we should be when we're not living questionable lives, when we're not living lives that evoke questions about who we are. Why do you believe that? Why do you live the way you do? And in this book um, that uh, I and, 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 and your home leaders have been reading in the last few weeks, uh, is a very interesting section at the start of the book, and he talks about how the earliest Christians transformed the world. And, and how by their distinctive Christian living, they, they kind of turn the world upside down. I just want to read to you an excerpt from the first chapter in this book. Uh, so let me quote from his book, Michael Frost's book. I quote, These ordinary believers, the earliest Christians, devoted themselves to sacrificial acts of kindness. They loved their enemies and forgave their persecutors. They cared for the poor and fed the hungry. In the brutality of life under Roman rule, they were the most stunningly different people anyone had ever seen. Indeed, their influence is so surprising that the 4th century emperor Julian, who reigned from 331 to 363, feared that they might take over the empire. Referring to Christians as Galileans, inverted commas, Galileans, and Christianity as atheism, in inverted commas, because of their denial of the existence of pagan gods, and believing their religion to be a sickness, he penned this directive to his officials. So now quoting Julian, writing to his civil servants. He writes, We must pay special attention to this point, and by this means effect a cure. For when it came about that the poor were neglected and overlooked by the pagan priests, then, I think, the impious Galileans observed this fact and devoted themselves to philanthropy. And they have gained ascendancy in the worst of their deeds through the credit they win for such practices. For just as those who entice children with a cake and by throwing it to them two or three times induce them to follow them, and then when they are far away from their friends, cast them on board a ship and sell them as slaves, by the same method, I say, the Galileans also begin with their so-called love feast or hospitality or service of tables, for they have many ways of carrying it out, and hence call it many names. And the result is that they have led very many into atheism, Christianity. And he goes on to say this to his civil servants. He says, why do we not observe that it is their benevolence to strangers, their care for the graves of the dead, and the pretended holiness of their lives that have done most to increase atheism? I believe that we ought really and truly to practice every one of these virtues. For it is disgraceful that when the impious Galileans support not only their own poor, but ours as well, all men see that our people lack aid from us. Very interesting. This is the emperor, this is a, 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 a Roman emperor who does not believe in Christ, and yet he's looking at his empire thinking, hang on, these Christians, who he calls atheists, are doing all the things that we should be doing. And so what we need to do as, 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 as Romans is copy the Christians because they're doing so well in reaching people with their faith. Very interesting. Very interesting. But we don't live in the Roman Empire, do we? 
We live in the 21st century. We live at a different time. And so we've got to work out how are we going to reach people with the kingdom of God in our day? How are we going to do what the Christians then did in their way, but in, in a way that intrigues curiosity, that evokes curiosity, and, ask, and they ask us questions by so doing? And I'm convinced, as I've, I've thought about this for a long time, that, that you know, if we're not gifted evangelists, and not many of us are, we need to cultivate practices or habits in our lives that will draw out of others, from others, questions about why do we live in the way that we do. Now, I've probably said this before, but if your only practices are going to church, going to church meetings, well, that's not going to evoke curiosity, is it? You know, it's not going to evoke curiosity about our faith, if that's the only practices we've got. Um, if, we're, if we're doing things like, I don't know, might be cussing the lawn or, going, or saying hello to the neighbours or washing our car or walking the dog or driving to work, you know, that's not particularly intriguing. That's just the same as everybody else. That's what everybody else does. So what we need is a set of practices that is going to, yes, draw us together as believers, but also propel us out into the world. But it's also that they're not going to deplete our our energy because the danger is that we do too much and we get tired and we actually get worn out. So what we need is a group of practices that will re-energize us, replenish us and connect us more deeply to Jesus by so doing. And I think a a fair question to ask is really is, well, you know, why would anyone want to join us if if we're burnt out and joyless as Christians? Why would they? Fair question. So, this is where this book comes in. And uh, he, uh, you know, it's not the answer to all of life's questions at all, but it's a set of practices that uh, a lot of people are beginning to join in with uh, uh, to live what you might call questionable lives. And we've also been thinking as as PCC and and wider than that that about our mission statements. I don't know if you know our mission statements, but I'll remind you, our mission statement is to love God and to live an adventure of faith. Loving God and living an adventure of faith. And so if we're going to do that, we've got to live it out. Have questionable lives. Now, I want to share some practical direction in all of this. Were you given a handout as you came in? Good, great. Have a look at it, because I'm going to just refer to that uh, now. Um, So as I say, there's there's a strategy, there's a way you can do this. And it's called BELLS. And uh, Michael Frost has come up with this acronym, BELLS. And uh, in the next few weeks, over the next few weeks of Lent, uh, and across into Easter as well, we're going to be thinking about this. There's going to be some breaks with Mothering Sunday and and obviously Easter as well. But in the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at each of these, um, the letters that make up this word BELLS together. And uh, let me refer to the handout because it tells us about it. So, the first one is B, which stands for BLESS. And it says in our handout, by choosing to bless others, we become more generous people. Bless those around you with your words and actions. Surprise them with an unexpected act of kindness. In this way, God's name will be honored. And he talks about in his book that as you live that practice out, it releases a value, the value of hospitality. Sorry, of the value of uh, generosity, sorry. 
being gracious, being compassionate, being generous. Uh, the second one is E, which is eat. Some of you will like this. Um, eat with people. Um, if you do, uh, sorry, and as you do that, you, can, uh, you will eat with them and, and maybe share coffee with them. You'll become more hospitable. So not just eating, but sharing maybe over a coffee or a cup of tea, whatever it is. Uh, you will become more hospitable. Again, don't just think of your Christian friends. Think about those who are not yet Christians. Who can you eat, and, eat with and spend time with who aren't yet believers? L, learn Christ. That's a bit of an Americanism, but uh, basically what that means is, is, is soak yourself in the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Great thing to do during Lent. Soak yourself, meditate, read, reread. Think about, what is, how does Jesus respond to a question? How does, he, how does he approach people? How do people approach him? And as you do that, your life will speak about hope and healing and truth in the world. Next L is listen. This is absolutely vital. This, is, this really unpins all of them. Listen to the Spirit. Absolutely vital to, the, to all the other disciplines. Because... As you hear God, if you take the time to listen to God, then God will start to direct your day. He will start to enable you to live in a certain way. Direct your steps. Keep in step with the Spirit, Paul says. Respond to the promptings he gives you. And then the last letter, S, which is sent. See yourself as a sent one. We are all sent ones. Jesus says to us, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. John chapter 20, verse 21. You and I are on a mission from God and with God. So all of these are practices. These are, these are ways to live this out. It releases the values. It might be generosity. It might be hospitality. Being spirit-led. Being more Christ-like. And so over the course of these next few weeks, I've invited people, I think, who will help us to think these through, these particular words through, bless, eat, learn, listen, sense, who can help us to think about how can we live these values out, these um, ways of doing this out. Also, remember the Holy Habit series we looked at last year? Remember that? Some of you do. Um, we looked at Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. Now, this it's not a rehash of that. This is, a, this is a kind of more missional way of doing that, if you like. It's that missional edge to how we might live those habits out. So it's building on that, that series as well. So it all um, spells bells. Bells. Um, at the 9 o'clock, at the start of the service, Jennifer had a, uh, some bells ringing, which is great. It's a lovely sort of sound. It's, uh, you know, if you hear bells, it's a lovely sound. A bell on its, on its own is fine, but bells together, you know, make a sweet sound. And it's about making a sweet sound in the world around us. As our, as our lives being questionable, that rhythm of our lives uh, sending out those sounds into the community around us. So bless and eat and listen and learn and sense. And together, individually, yes, and together we create this community of people who are different. Who proclaim Jesus in the world in a way that's nothing, it's not unusual, it's not it's not who we're not, it's who we are. And so I want to finish, I want to draw this to a close now. And I, I want to ask you to um, 
have a little conversation with, with the Lord in your hearts. Maybe it helps you to close your eyes, just to just have a little think to yourself about this. And I'm going to ask you to think about whether you feel that you can do this. Because Jesus says to us that through us, he wants to change the world. That's been his plan from all eternity, that the church is the vehicle by which he is going to transform the world. And he's going to work through you, he's going to work through me to do that. And yet we need to be open to him doing that through us. Are you ready to partner with him? Are you ready to work with him in your life? Do you believe that he can work through you, in you, out of you, to transform the world? Are you ready to be wise? Are you ready to live lives of generosity, hospitality, spirit-led lives that direct others to Jesus? Father, help us to live lives like this. Open us up, Lord. Over these next few weeks, open us up to ways in which we can join in with your great mission to the world so that your world may know and love and serve our Lord Jesus Christ. And in his name we pray. Amen.